Let us pray. Grant, O God, that the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts, that by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, all that we say and do and sing and offer this day may be truly in line with your intentions for our lives. That your word may shine forth and so give hope and solace, strength and courage in these days and all of our days. Amen. You hear a lot these days about the fact that we're living in unprecedented times. Nothing like this has ever happened, and that may, in fact, be true in terms of a pandemic. But it's also not true that something like this has never happened before. Many people have suffered in life, in ages past. All kinds of trouble have come to our ancestors and the ancients thousands and thousands of years ago, and through it, it has been God's providential care that has borne them up, strengthened them and encouraged them, carried them when they could not take another step, and promised them to never leave them. This is the great truth, the abiding trust of our history of faith as the people of God called into the sanctuary of God's purpose, a gathered people to be strengthened and encouraged by God and then sent forth out into the world when it's healthy to do so, and to carry on sharing the message of God's love to everybody we meet. So it is to scripture that we turn to find inspiration from those who have gone before us, their example of abiding faith, and the great promise of God spoken to them in ancient days. About 3,000 years ago, David, who was a young shepherd boy, the youngest son of Nathan, was lifted up, anointed by Samuel to become a new king over Israel. But before that, he was a shepherd, tending his father's sheep. In the Psalms report that many of them were composed by David, and the one that is perhaps best known to us and has touched the hearts and minds of people for thousands of years is the 23rd Psalm. Many of you may know it from Hatt, I had the very great fortune um, as a boy growing up at the First Congregational Church in Melrose, Massachusetts, to spend three of my years in church school with Miss Phyllis Brown. You've heard me talk about Miss Brown before, and now she had us learn scripture, to memorize scripture. This is actually a pretty good idea, uh, while everybody's home, uh, to start to learn scripture together, to turn to some of the most perennial messages. Psalm 121, with which we began our worship this morning. I will lift up mine eyes from the hill to the hills, from whence cometh my help. I'm sorry, I learned it in the King James Version. From whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That great assurance that our help comes from God, who's the creator of the universe. And from the 23rd Psalm. Now, it's interesting that the psalm begins talking about God in the second person, or the third person, rather, referring to God. 
but then switches to the first person as an acclamation of the psalmist's faith. The psalm, in a sense, is unassailable in the sense that it is a personal testimony of the psalmist. He's not putting forth a theological proposition. He's not suggesting that some kind of ideal might be gathered through the principles of logic or insight, reason, but rather it's a testimony of David. It's his personal experience. You can't really argue with a person's experience. They're testifying about the nature of God and what God has done for them, not as a theological idea, but as a lived experience. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. In these six short verses, we find a quintessential expression, a distillation of the abiding promises of God and the bedrock of our faith in a God who can be trusted. 3,000 years ago, in the time of David and the Israelites, all the other religions of the ancient Near East worshipped gods who could not necessarily be trusted. The defining attribute of the God of Israel, the one who revealed God's name to Moses in the burning bush, I am who I am, the God who led them out of Egyptian slavery and carried them to a land that was promised to Abraham and to Sarah and all their descendants, this was a God who was trustworthy, not capricious, not willful, not mean-spirited, not selfish, as so many of the other gods that were worshipped in the ancient world, but this was a God of kindness, of compassion, of loyalty, a God who chose an enslaved people to become a chosen people who would show the world how they might live in the dream, fulfilling the dream that God had for all of humanity. So in this psalm, we have two metaphors at work. One, that God is like a shepherd. And then secondly, that God is like a host. Now, both of these figures in the ancient Near East, shepherds had a particular role. They were responsible for the pasturing and for ensuring the safety of the sheep and the goats. Goats are a little more independent than sheep, but they took care of the sheep, and they had a particularly poignant and potent role within ancient cultures. The second metaphor is that of the host. And hospitality in the ancient Near East was a big deal, much bigger than it is in our society, because hospitality in the ancient world meant you took somebody into your tent near the 
close of the day, the night falling, to provide that they would have food and shelter in the desert. They would not be subject to the wild animals or marauding hordes, but they would dwell in the safety of your tent. So listen again. This time, let me read it from the contemporary English version. The Lord, O Lord, you are my shepherd. Therefore, I will never be in need. You let me rest in fields of grass. You lead me to streams of peaceful water, and you refresh my life. This is the role of the shepherd, to lead the sheep to the green pastures, to the water, to restore them. This promise to restore our lives is God's promise not just to provide what we physically need, but what we emotionally and spiritually need, which is to be renewed in our relationship with God. Listen to this. God, you are true to your name. In the name of God is I am who I am. I will be with you. You lead me along the right paths. God calls us and loves us so that we can live in a way that gives honor to God and provides care and sustenance, compassion and kindness, forgiveness and love and support and strength and encouragement to everybody we know, to stand for justice and to work for peace. God is with us not just for our own safe and sake and safety, but so that we might become those who help to bring that to other people in our own lives. And then, here we come to the crux of the matter. I will walk through valleys as dark as death, and I will not be afraid. The valleys that are as dark as death, the troubles of our lives, the challenges and the crises, the great fear and anger, the grief and pain are not antithetical to the presence of God. They are not evidence of the absence of God. What the psalmist affirms here that even when we inevitably walk through the valley as dark as death, I will not be afraid, for you are with me, and your shepherd's rod and staff make me feel safe. God is with us in this time of challenge, in this time of fear and anxiety, in this time of uncertainty, and maybe thinking that all is coming to an end. It's not all coming to an end. These are not the end times. I have a good friend who's a pastor in Trumbull who has a bumper sticker that says, the end is near, period. Again, period. People have been predicting the end of time since forever. We are here now And just as our forebears have seen themselves through greater times of trouble, at least as great as this, and trusted in God, made it possible for us to be here, and so we will for ourselves and the generations that will follow us. 
then the psalmist, you treat me to a feast, you host me, you welcome me to a feast while my enemies watch. Even when I am under stress, God is with us, nurturing, feeding, comforting us. You honor me as your guest, you fill my cup until it overflows. Your kindness and love will be with me always, every day of my life. Mercy and peace, and I will live forever in your house, O Lord. Goodness and mercy will not just follow you, will pursue you. God will not forget you, leave you alone, desolate and destitute. God is pursuing you in all times. This is the great promise of the psalm, which resonates with our souls and has encouraged the generations who've come before us. So I would like to suggest that uh, during the time you're home, sheltering in place, maintaining social distancing for the good of all and yourself, that you spend some time, one, staying in touch, send cards. Cards are so much more meaningful. When I was sick, very sick back in uh, 1994, I knew that the congregation was praying for me and I received so many cards. I'll never forget that. What every day the mail meant to me when these notes and just simple messages of care and concern and love came from so many people, including many of you. Uh, What that does to the spirit, there's nothing like sliding open an envelope and reading out a personally read message. Send cards, but also spend some time memorizing some scripture. Miss Brown taught us to memorize scripture out of her own personal experience when she had been gravely ill one night in the hospital, literally teetering between life and death, not sure whether she would make it through the night. And she told us third, fourth, and fifth grade boys, I don't know how she stood it, but she did it with us. And she taught us to memorize scripture, she said, because the only thing that kept her going in that night was repeating to herself all the words of Scripture that she had memorized as a child. Psalm 121, Psalm 23, the Beatitudes in the first chapters of Matthew's Gospel, number five, the fifth chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. Spend some time reading, meditating, repeating and reading and meditating and memorizing these passages from Scripture is a great boon to the soul. The last thing I want to say, maybe not the last, but we'll see. Another thing I want to say is stop watching the TV. If you're glued to the news channels 24-7, you're only making it worse for yourself. Two in the morning and then again in the afternoon, just to keep yourself up to speed on what you should or shouldn't be doing. But the rest of the time, turn off that TV, stop watching the cable news, and read a good book, work in your garden, read scripture, play with your kids, write to your neighbors, cook a meal for a friend, lift your spirits, to God who is with you now and always. And hold this, your congregation, at the center of your prayer and your hearts to know that we are truly one 
And just think of what the worship will be like when we gather again at some Sunday in the future yet to be determined, the joy that we will feel being together again in the house of God. Amen.